Welcome to another iGrow season at APC. We're so glad you've tuned in. Our church is blessed with excellent teachers of the Word of God, and our hope is that you find today's teaching enlightening, motivational, and encouraging. To learn more about our church, visit theapc.org or find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's lesson. We are here to talk about cunning attacks of the enemy on the family. Now, there was, uh, it was uh, on, the, on the children and family. Uh, Allison spoke last weekend, last week, I guess not weekend, on the children's side of it. And she, uh, she did not need or want my input. And uh, tonight I am requesting her input as much as possible so she can she can input anytime she wants because I know she has things to say so uh, anyhow uh, let's start <clears throat> I just want to start off by saying you know when we first found out what we were teaching about uh, what we were going to be doing in this iGrow series I was kind of like eh you know I wasn't super thrilled um, but just because I'm not one to really want to give the enemy credit no more than what, you know, what we have to. I know and realize that I make enough dumb decisions on my own that I don't need to build his ego by giving him credit for any of my stupidity, right? And so I was like, ah, you know, I'm not one to always blame everything on the devil. I am uh, very self-aware of my own things that I do. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm also one to, uh, I, I, my wife tends to say that I'm a little negative, and I tend to say that I'm just a, a realist, uh, you know, and so I, I point out the obvious and so in situations where uh, I feel like, you know, we as humans can do better, um, and I don't, you know, again, I don't want to give, him, give the enemy any credit uh, where credit is not due. However, the enemy is real. The enemy is the enemy. The enemy is evil. Uh, and the Bible does talk a lot about what his intentions are on this earth and what he wants to do to believers and non-believers alike. In Ephesians 5.15, it tells us to walk as, not to walk as fools, but to be wise because the days are evil. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, The enemy, your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. If the Bible says stuff like that, lets me know that the enemy is real. Amen? The enemy is serious, that we need to watch out, that we need to be mindful of what he's doing and what he can do and what he's capable of doing. John in Revelations, Revelation 12, 9, he calls the enemy the old serpent, the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And in the book of John is where we learn that the devil was a murderer from the beginning and he was nothing, and he has nothing to do with truth because there is no truth in him and he is the liar and the father of lies. Paul calls him the God of this world who has blinded the minds of the unbeliever to keep him from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. Again, we're talking about the attacks on the family. Satan knows that God created marriage with a purpose. How many believe that marriage is biblical? How many believe that marriage is, you know, God created marriage for a purpose and with a purpose? Amen? 
<clears throat> I believe that uh, we joke around a lot of times about marriage and, and say funny things about, you know, each other and, and whether we should or shouldn't get married and whatever, but there is a, there is a good thing when marriage is involved, when it comes to the church, the body of Christ. Satan knows the value of the family, and so what he's going to try to attack is the marriage. Without a marriage, there really is no biblical family, right? right? There has to be a mom and a dad, and then, you know, the biblical way to be a mom and a dad is to be married, right? Obviously, there's other situations, and obviously there's split homes, and that's, obviously we're not going into all that, but simply talking, a family is a mom, a dad, kids, family. He knows that it is the fabric of a good, solid society, and he knows that the family is the foundation of a good, growing church. So if he can tear down the God-ordained structure of the family, then he ultimately can tear down the church and damage what is the most near and dear to God's heart. I'm sorry, but I'm going to take this minute out of my mouth. I know it's annoying me. It's probably annoying you, too. I know it was annoying you, baby. I know you, you were just chomping at the bit to say something. You are going to say, get that minute out of your mouth. Don't worry, folks. We have a good marriage. <laughs> Cunning attacks of the family. When God was done with creation, he looked at what he had created, and he said that it was very good. And I believe that he saved the best for last. And that's not Eve. That's mankind. That was a joke. Lighten up. <laughs> <clears throat> Adam and Eve were created to take care of the land and multiply so that there would be future generations which is why we're all here, right? We wouldn't be here without it, right? But God didn't create them and just say, see ya. He created them and he gave them instructions from the very beginning. He said right after he was created in Genesis 2 and 24, he said, therefore shall man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. Which brings me to my first point that I wanted to talk about. Cunning attacks of the enemy and the family. You see, God required married couples to have a level of separation, a level of separation from others, and a commitment to each other. That right there, in and of itself, will provide a stable foundation for any family. Well, that's not to say you don't need other people in your life, but there is a reason why God put that in his word. There's a reason why God said, separate and become your own, right? Satan's initial attack on the very first marriage was in the Garden of Eden, where he worked his evil deception. He worked his evil deception on Eve and destroyed the harmony and the bond, not only in the first marriage, but ruined the world for all of us thereafter. Amen? Now we live in the kingdom of darkness, but I'm glad that I know about the blood of Jesus, and I know that I am in this world, but I am not of this world. But just as he played his little games with Eve and he tricked her, his sly old tricks haven't really changed. He still does the same things. And unfortunately, they're still extremely effective. My, point, my first point I want to make, just as he tricked Eve, it was a voice in her life that she didn't need. It was a voice in her life that she listened to and she shouldn't have. And so my number one thing I want to talk about tonight is be careful who you let speak into your life. 
Again, keep in mind, and I'm going to repeat this a lot tonight because it's the topic and I want you to understand where I'm going because I don't want to go down a rabbit trail and you to forget we are still talking about the cunning attacks of the enemy on the family. Allison talked about a lot of ways to prevent the cunning attacks on the family when it comes to your children. And I will touch on some children stuff also. But I'm going to show you some ways that the enemy does want to attack and the ways that the enemy does attack. Not just want to, but things that he does do and, and ways that he is successful. Be careful who you let speak into your lives. The enemy loves nothing more than to use others to slip into your marriage and cause division. Well, what do you mean? He'll use what was meant for good and turn it to evil. It's what he does. He'll use someone that you know, that you trust, that you love, that you're friends with. It can happen. And that's why you have to be mindful and be intentional about who speaks in your life. What said someone says might not even have to be bad. What they say can drive a wedge between you and your wife because just because you either simply agree or disagree. It creates conversation in the home and you either take their side or you don't take their side or you agree with what they say or you don't agree with what they say. It's a simple attack, a sneaky, sly attack. And when he uses these types of people that are near and dear to our heart and close to us, we wouldn't, we couldn't have ever seen it coming. Why? Because it's a cunning attack. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that people are being used of the enemy. But don't think for one second that the enemy doesn't slip in when people are involved that don't necessarily need to be involved. I can go on and on in details. I can tell you scenario after scenario. I can give you example after example. But I'll spare you because we're on time limit. And Allison might come in at some point and give some examples and talk about some ways that we can watch out for the enemy. But don't think for a second that what I'm talking about has to be some big, huge ordeal. Don't think for what I'm talking about has to be some big, dramatic situation in your life. Because more often than not, they slip in so slightly and so quietly that we don't even recognize them until we're literally in World War III in our homes. That's why they're called cunning attacks. Because they're sleek, they're, sleek, they're, they're sneaky. They come in when you don't even know what's happening. Just as important as who speaks into your life because they felt comfortable doing so. Be sure not to invite negative opinions or influences in your life by talking to the wrong people. Amen? Is that good? Can anybody agree? God has given every single one of us in this room a spiritual leader. You have a pastor. You have spiritual authority. Maybe it's not your pastor. Maybe it's somebody that that God allowed you to trust, allowed you to know is a spiritual leader in your life. Because the pastor can't always, you know, tend to everybody's needs. But you have people in your life that have your best interest at heart. You have people in your life that have your best interest in mind. And so make sure that you're talking to those people and not talking to people that don't have your best interest at heart. God has given everybody here a spiritual leader. And so don't be talking to friends or randoms about your marital and family issues 
if it doesn't add value to your life. If Allison and I are fighting, there is no reason for me to go talk to anybody else about it, whether, unless it's God or my pastor. There's no reason for me to talk to anybody about it. And there's definitely no reason for me to talk to somebody that isn't going to help me. If it's not going to add value to my family, to my life, to my marriage, then it's pointless to be talking to them. It might sound like a lecture. That's not my point. I'm not, trying to be a, I'm not trying to make it sound like a lecture. I don't want it to sound like a lecture. But again, we're talking about the cunning attacks on the family. Because this is where stuff slides in. This right here is where stuff comes in. It's so easy to get caught up in husband and wife bashing when things go wrong or things go south or we have a disagreement. It's very quiet in here. <laughs> Whenever you're having a hard time, it's easy to get caught up in those things. And you, and you know just who to go to. Do we not? Man, let's lighten up. We know just who to go to. We do. Everybody in here knows who they can go to. If you want good, godly, spiritual advice, you know who to go to. And if you want somebody to take your side and validate your feelings, you know who to go to. Do you not? We know who to go to. Be careful. Because the enemy's looking. And he's waiting for that little bitty crack in the door. And as soon as you crack the door, he's coming in. It's the way it works. That's what he does. Just like he did with Eve. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for the right opportunity, for the right, right time, for the right place, for her to be there. Some say Adam wasn't with her, and then he showed up. I believe Adam was right there. That's another lesson. If you're not getting godly advice, it's probably not to someone that you need to be talking to at that moment in your life. Period. If they're not giving you godly advice, then shut up and walk away because they don't have your best interest at heart and they're wrong. And I would say in that point, they are being used of the enemy. If somebody is validating your feelings and you're talking bad about your spouse, that person's being used by the enemy, flat out, period. Now, I said earlier that I don't say everybody's being used by the enemy. I don't believe everybody's being used by the enemy. Sometimes we're just dumb and we do dumb things. But if you surround yourself with people who will agree with you or who will take your side, no matter whether you're right or wrong, that's not the people you want to surround yourself with. And that's a good way for the enemy to slip in. We live in a world where getting your feelings validated is more popular now than ever. It's more necessary now than ever. It's more in your face now than ever. Everybody wants their feelings validated. Everybody's looking for somebody to validate their feelings no matter what it is. No matter what's going on, everybody wants their feelings validated. It's a huge thing, and that's okay. That's okay. There are times where you need to be validated. There are times where you need to be heard. There are times when you need your feelings heard. There's times when you need to vent and say something and say things, and that's okay. But do it to the right crowd. Do it to the right people. Do it to the people that God put in your life, not just randoms who aren't going to add anything to your life positive. It's here that the enemy can and will attack. And when it's all said and done, you'll be stuck sitting in the corner just wondering what happened. Not having a clue how you got where you're at. 
Communication. Communication is key. Communication is key among the family. Communication is key among a marriage. Communication is key among father and mother and children relationships. Just last Wednesday when Allison got done talking, I, I mentioned, you know, where, where I talked a little bit. And we live in a world where, I wanted I want to go, you know, say more, but we live in a world now where telling your kids because I said so, it's, it's really not good enough. And I know I'm echoing and repeating what Allison said last week, but it's not good enough. Why? Do you owe it to your kids to explain them everything? It's questionable. But wouldn't you want to educate your kids? Wouldn't you want to educate your kids why we do what we do? If you tell your kid, no, you can't go to the movie theater, and they ask why, because I told you so is not a good enough answer. Explain to them why. If you don't explain to them why, then they won't know. Just like Allison said last week. If you don't explain to them why, somebody else will explain to them why it's okay too. Communication is key. Communication is key in a, in a relationship, in a marriage, and here's why. When you talk about serious situations, when you're talking about anything that may be uh, a topic of discussion that needs to be had in person, but yet it's being had via text messaging, why is that bad? Well, why, why would that be terrible in a relationship? Well, I'm a pretty stern guy. Uh, and in real life, most of you in here probably don't really know how to take me 90% of the time just because I'm, that, I'm just different like that. A lot of people don't know how to take me. I promise you, you don't know how to take me via text. You don't hear my tone. You don't see my face. You don't see whether I'm smiling or whether I'm joking or if I'm steaming mad. You don't know. And guess what? You don't know it when your spouse is texting you what their tone is. Listen, we were chose to teach this class for a reason. We've got a lot of experience. Allison and I have fought so many times over a text message that was sent so innocently or so sincerely in other words, I really mean this. I really want you to hear me out. But I took it as her saying it in a totally different tone. There's been times where we fought. There's been times, just so you guys know, I'm not perfect. Just so you guys know, I could be a jerk. Just so you guys know, I could be a little childish at times. I could be immature. And I'll put her on no talk. I'll just clam up. I ain't got nothing to say. I won't talk to her for two or three days. Over a text message? <laughs> Grow up, right? That's what you're probably thinking. Grow up? Guess what that is? That's the enemy. That's the enemy driving a wedge. That's the enemy trying to attack. That's the enemy trying to cause problems. And then when you know what happens? Three days later, when we sit down and actually have a conversation about it, and we pull our phones out, and we say, okay, this, this is what I really was trying to say. This is what I meant. And so you know what you learned there? Don't text. 
This is a good way for the enemy to come in. This is a good way for the enemy to slide in and attack right here. Just because we use our resources, right? Instead of our original resources. I wonder if Eve would have ate of the tree if the serpent would have texted her and said, just eat it. No, it was a one-on-one, it was a one-on-one communication thing, right? I'm glad, you know, I mean, I guess maybe, some, I don't know, maybe that's a bad statement. I was going to say, I'm glad God just don't text me, you know, randomly, you know, tell me what he, but that'd probably be kind of cool. I guess they'd probably leave all the questioning out of it. However, text messages is not the way to handle problems, not the way to resolve issues. Communication is key. When I say communication is key, I'm not just talking about text messaging. Text messaging is a huge thing I wanted to, wanted to, wanted to touch touch on, but communication to each other, verbally communicate what's going on. I'm questioning to tell this story. I won't. Communication's key. Again, I can't speak for all you. I can't speak for everybody else. I can speak for us. There's been many times where we've needed to sit down and communicate And if you don't, whether it's communicating to each other, communicating to your children, whoever, communication is key in the family, in the marriage, in the household. The enemy's attacks are so simple sometimes, but they're so effective. One time an elder in the church who wouldn't speak evil of anybody if she was paid to was asked, what's your thoughts on the devil? And she replied, he's good at his job. And you know what? He's good at his job. He's good at what he does. He's been doing this a lot longer than me and you have been alive. He's been doing this a lot longer than we'll ever even imagine. Because he's been doing it for a long time. Look at the world we live in today. When you think about it. You think about family. You think about what the way God ordained family to look like and what it's supposed to be like. And then you look at the world we live in. And the most recent studies show that there are two reasons divorce rates are only at 44.8%, which is down, you'd be happy to know, from past years, when it was well over 50, almost 60%. But the most recent studies as of 2022 show that it's only at 44.8% because reason number one is COVID. The court systems were not taking divorce cases during COVID. And so miserable, unhappy people who didn't know how to communicate, who didn't know how to love each other, who didn't know how to get along, had to stay married for extra months because COVID. (laughs) And here we're worried about not being able to go to church. And they're worried about not strangling each other. Reason number two is over 35% of parents with at least one child in the home of under the age of 18, are not married at all. They're just living together. And I won't even go into the percentage of families who are living together, who are married to someone else. Talk about the woman at the well. Ah, it's a joke. (laughs) It's been going on for hundreds of years. Living with someone who's not even your own wife or your own husband. Don't tell me that the enemy doesn't know what he's doing, because he does. 
And the enemy can and will slide in and attack wherever you let them. So be mindful. Communication. Point number two. Be involved. We're all here because we all go to this church, because we all believe the same doctrine, because we all believe the same way, and we all believe the same plan of salvation, right? Well, I hope we all know and understand that you got to be involved and that the church needs people and that the only way the church is going to grow is for people to be involved. And 99.9% of the people involved are volunteers. They're not on staff. They're not begged to play. They're not begged to help. They're not begged to teach. They're not begged to... They're just volunteers. You're asked to do something, you do it. But there has to be a willingness, right? There has to be a willingness to help. There has to be a willingness to be involved. If you think that coming to church on one Sunday here and there, or even every Sunday is enough, you're wrong. The Bible is intentional about talking about coming to church. Forsake not. What, isn't that what it says? You heard Allison last week talk about how much time that our kids have in this world, how much time we have with our kids. We only have a few more hours a week, not a day, a week. We only have a few, a few more hours. And that's if you live on a normal schedule. That's if you live on a normal schedule. Well, Darren, you're telling me that we only have our kids for a few more hours a week, but then you're telling me to be involved. And that makes us more busy, and that makes it more impossible to spend time with my kids and that make listen if your kids see that you're involved they'll be involved if your kids see that you're going to church and doing the will of God and doing things in the kingdom that's what they're going to do so chances are if you don't get involved you're sitting at home watching tv and you're not paying no attention to your kids anyways so get involved that's not popular but it's good ain't it thank you I thought it was good too that's why I wrote it down Get involved with church stuff. Surround them with church people. Surround your kids with church people. Listen, I'm the first one to tell you that if all your friends are church people, you ain't doing the will of God the right way. You've got to have worldly church. You've got to have worldly friends. Or you ain't discipling nobody. If you don't have worldly friends, if you don't have friends that aren't church, if all your friends come to this place right here, you're doing it wrong. But outside of discipleship, you need to know a good balance. You have to have a good balance. And outside of discipleship, your kids need to be around church people. They need to be involved. They need to see you involved. Get involved yourself. Make sure you're around church people yourself. Make sure you're fellowshipping with church people. And contrary to popular belief, and it might not be popular, and they might want to erase it off this little recorder, but not all church people are healthy for you. So not only surround yourself by church people, but surround yourself by good godly church people who have your best intentions in heart. As I said in point one, get involved. Don't let your kids hear you bashing church people. That's a given, is it not? Well, obviously it's not because God gave it to me and I put it down. Somebody here needs to hear it. I don't know. Maybe somebody on the recording needs to hear it. Maybe somebody six months down the road will listen to it on a podcast. But if you're sitting at home and all you do is bash people, whether it's a pastor, whether it's the leadership, or whether it's just the person on the back pew, and your kids are hearing that, guess what? The enemy doesn't have to be sneaky. The enemy doesn't have to slide underneath the door and do a, a, a sly attack. The enemy's sitting back eating popcorn laughing because you're doing all his work for him. 
Amen? Amen. Don't do it. Don't be sitting around bashing people and talking about people. And I'm sure everyone in this room has heard so-and-so's in a clique. Oh, that's just a clique over there. Oh, they're part of the cool group. I'm not, I'm not graduated the cool group yet. Listen. Baloney. If you're the one saying this junk, or if you heard somebody saying this junk, either stop or put them in their place. And here's what I'll tell you. This is just my opinion. Again, probably not real popular. And if you don't like it, you can tell the pastor on me. He'll rebuke me, and I won't teach I grow next year. But in my opinion, there's two types of cliques in the church. There's clique number one, people who are involved. And clique number two, people who are not involved. And chances are the people who are sitting on their couch bad talking to everybody else are the people who are not involved. Well, I'm involved. I do all kinds of stuff behind the scenes. You probably do all kinds of stuff from your couch, too. And maybe you shouldn't. Get involved. If you're involved with the people who you say are in a clique, you won't be calling them a clique no more. Now you'll be in the same clique they're in. Right? Just my opinion. Two types of cliques, involved and not involved. Third point I have. Do it at home. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, be a doer, not only a hearer of the word. Do it at home. The enemy would love nothing more than to attack the home and get you to not pray. Get you to not study. Get you to not show a godly lifestyle in the home. If he, if he can get you to not pray, if you've had a great prayer life and he can get you to dwindle away from that, then he's done his job. If you don't have a prayer life and you make excuses of why you can't have a prayer life, then he's done his job. If your kids don't see, and, and I know I'm repeating a lot of what Allison said last week, but if your kids don't see you praying, if your kids don't see you studying, if your kids don't hear you getting in the word and praying to God, you're allowing the enemy to slip in because you're creating an atmosphere and a culture that says, I don't have to. And then you sit at the dinner table and you say, well, I do pray and I do read. You just don't see it. Sometimes seeing is believing, especially as a child. That's why when a child sees a big person in a stuffed animal costume at Disneyland, they think that that's really Mickey Mouse because seeing is believing. And whether your belief is or is not or is for or against Santa Claus, but when you set up presents and you tell your kids that Santa Claus delivered presents in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve and he came down the chimney that you don't have and he ate all the cookies and milk you put out for him, guess what? At some point in life, probably 90% of the kids eventually try to stay up late and sneak out in the living room and see 
Because seeing is believing. And some of you are real sly and some of you are real slick and you have your brother or your cousin or your uncle or your husband or whoever dressed up in a Santa Claus outfit and you kind of provoke the kids to come out there and see because seeing is believing, right? And you want them to believe in Santa Claus a lot longer than what they ever anticipated because kids at school tell them Santa Claus ain't real and you don't want to let that tradition go because seeing is believing so now you're going to go to desperate measures to make sure that they see and believe, right? Seeing is believing. So when they lose a tooth and they put it underneath their pillow and they wake up and there's a dollar or a quarter or a penny or a 10 or 20 or a five, seeing is believing. They didn't see the tooth fairy, but they see the results of the tooth fairy, right? But guess what? Just like that, seeing is believing. If they see you pray, they see you study, they know you're doing it. And chances are they're going to see the effects of it. Chances are they're going to see the results of it. And guess what? Seeing is believing. And so if they don't see it, they probably won't believe it. And they'll see the results of it. And they'll see the effects of it. Do it at home. If we ain't praying, if we ain't covering a home in prayer, if we're not showing our kids that the personal relationship with Jesus is important, then the enemy is going to be attacking. And he'll hit hard. And it'll be devastating. Again. I come to you and I speak to you from experience because whether it be excuses or whether it be work schedule, whether it be the hours I worked or whether it be whatever, I didn't always do the things that I'm talking about right now. I didn't always do that. And at some point I was probably that victimized person who said, I'm not part of the cool club. And I'm sure my actions and the things that I did probably had a pretty negative effect on my family. And even though the Bible says work out your own salvation and we know that Nathan's beyond the age of accountability and he has to answer to God for his own sins and his own things that he's choosing, his own choices, I believe I played a role in that. Why? Because I didn't do what I'm talking to you about tonight. Which is why I feel that I could talk to you about this so passionately because of the importance of it. Because I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. I've been a part of it. It's happened in my own home. It's happened in my own life. And I wish it didn't take years to look back and see, man, we could have done things different. We should have done things different. I was joking with somebody today and I said, that you will go to bed mad, even though don't let the sun go down on your wrath, right? It'll happen. It'll happen. But you know why that's in the Word of God? You know why that's there? So the enemy don't slip in. Because you know what happens when you go to bed mad? You know what happens? The next day you wake up, you talk about it, everything's good. Everything's okay. Everything's going to work out. What happened last night? You didn't get any sleep, and now you're sleep deprived, and now you're miserable, and now you let the enemy come in and talk to you and tell you silly things, and that's why it's in there. That's why it says do that. It's good instruction. It's not always practical, because guess what? We've gone to bed mad a lot. Sometimes you just got to roll over and go to sleep. Sometimes you just got to shut up, because it ain't worth arguing no more, and you got to get up in two hours. Fortunately for me and my love for arguing, I could function on two hours. (laughs) 
That's a joke. <laughs> Allison says, is it? But it's true. There are so many ways the enemy can sneak in. And I can talk to you for hours. I can, like I said, I can give you example after example after example. Allison can come up here and talk to us and tell us things. And if she wants to share specific uh, stories, come on, come up here. So that way you can be recorded. So when Darren and I first got in church, it was like a struggle. Our marriage was an absolute mess. But I ended up finding a group of prayerful people, good people, and that's kind of who I was around. Sister Jairus Guzman was one of them. Um, we would come to the church and we would pray together a lot, and Darren was being a baby. <laughs> and he did not want me, he was like, why do you always got to go to the church and pray? Like, I do not want you to go this Friday or whatever. And so I reached out to Sister Jairus and I was like, he d how can he not want me to go to pr like pray? After all that the Lord has done for us, I want to go pray, and he's telling me he doesn't want me to go, he's mad at me. And Sister Jairus could have been that moment said, what an idiot. Like, what is he thinking? She didn't. She took that moment, and I took this, and I have probably shared it with some people in this room because I share it with everybody. She said, you need to submit to him. Not only do you need to submit to him, but you need to do it in the right spirit. Not like, oh, I'm submitting because you told me, but I'm submitting because I want to be in right standing with God. And so, Darren, I submit to you. I'm going to stay home, and God's going to honor that, just like God is going to honor me going to the church and praying. And so I shared with Darren, like, I'm going to submit to you. Like, I will do that. And two days later, he was like, you know what? You can go to the church, and you can pray. Like, that was silly. I'm really proud of you. I'm thankful that that's what you want to do. Um, but I just wanted to share that because the voice in your life really, really matters, and she could have, I feel like she could have said, what in the world? She knew our testimony, right? But she took that moment, and that's a life lesson for me that you probably never knew. Um, but it's a life lesson that she passed down to me, and I'm passing it down to other people. So, I mean, my grandchildren will get this advice. But it's really, really good advice. And then also, I do want to say, um, if you are struggling in your marriage, talk to your pastor, talk to your leader, don't try to keep that from him. Just like last week we said, don't protect your kids from their leadership. You're not protecting them. Don't protect your kid, your spouse. Don't protect your marriage from your leadership because your pastor is wise. Your pastor's wife is wise. They've helped us. <laughs> we were a mess. He had divorce papers. Seriously. They have wisdom, they will keep you covered in prayer, and they're not going to choose sides, and they will tell you the hard things. Don't protect your marriage from your pastor. And that is all. It was actually in my notes, and I didn't, I didn't say it, but back up on point two, when, or point one, when I said talking to people who, you know, talking about, talking with people who will uh, validate you, or talking with people who will uh, tell you the hard things, and that's, that's what it is. And Sometimes we, we have to hear the hard things. We do. Whether it comes to our, our own personal lives, our ministry, uh, our family, our marriage, we have to hear the hard things. Pastor always says that it's easy to, and this is, a, this is different, taking it a little bit out of context, but Pastor always says that it's, it's easy to submit to somebody when you're in agreement, right? It's real easy. You know, if somebody says, hey, whatever you do, you know, 
don't drive nothing but that Dodge truck out there. Well, I don't have a choice. That's what I drive, so it's easy to agree with that. Silly analogy, but it's when you disagree. It's when somebody tells you the hard things, but they're right. That's hard to swallow, but that's where you grow. That's how you grow. That's how you get stronger. That's how you get wiser. That's how you're able to overcome things in the future because somebody told you the hard things and you listened. Listen, you don't have to like it, but if you listen, I promise you, Allison would have much rather come to the church and prayed that Friday night than stay home with me. As I said earlier, I say I can be a jerk. I'm going to say I was a pretty big jerk. I'm better. And Allison would agree. Listen, when you see the attacks of the enemy heading your way, there's two things you could do about it. First, you recognize it. You recognize what's going on. You recognize the cunning attacks. You see them coming. And then second, you do something about it. What do I do? First, look in the mirror. And per my very first statement of this study, don't blame everything on the enemy. If you're being an idiot, say, self, you're being an idiot. Grow up. Or say, self, stop being silly. Because you could stop this right here, right now, and it could be over. But you'll know. You'll know when it's the enemy. And if you don't know, and you assume it's the enemy, then the answer is still the same. You need to be praying. You need to be studying. You need to be fasting. Because guess what? Light and darkness don't mix. And if you're doing what's right, if you're doing what God wants you to be doing, then the enemy can't be anywhere near. I believe that wholeheartedly. If I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, the enemy might try, but he will not succeed. Why? Because it's scripture. That's why. It's scripture. When I read, when I read Romans, I'll pull it up. When I mean read, when I read, when I read Romans chapter 8, 38 and 39, New King James Version says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to <clears throat> separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, what's the enemy trying to do? The enemy, Paul said it, enemy, and we're, we're believers, we're not unbelievers, but I believe it's fitting. The enemy tries to stop us from believing. The enemy tries to make us unbelievers, does he not? Sure. I believe the enemy is why Nathan is where he is. Yes, I believe I played a role in it. But the enemy and all the attacks and all the things that he did that we allowed to slip in, Ultimately, I can blame that on the enemy. Obviously, it's not God that made Nathan backslide, right? Obviously, it, you know, it's never a God thing. It's never God's will for you to argue. You know, the Bible says be angry and sin not. It's okay. It's okay to be upset sometimes. You're not always going to agree with each other. You're not always going to like what everybody has to say. But it's not the will of God for it to drive a wedge in there. Whether it be in the church. And I talked about that. When I talked about backbiting and talking about people in the church, that's just as important as the family. This is the, this is the body of Christ, is it not? 
This is the church. Your church family is just as important as your immediate family. And if God can drive a wedge in here, then how can the church grow? If God could drive a wedge between two people that, that don't live together, don't eat together, don't go to bed together, don't work together, but they go to church together, if there's division in the church, it might just be the pinky toe. They might not play a role at all. They might not teach Sunday school. They might not play the piano. They might not sing. They might not play the drums. They might not do anything, but they're still part of the body of Christ. And so if my pinky toe is hurting, the body isn't working in 100% capacity. And it and it always spills over, does it not? Has anybody ever had a stress fracture in their foot? Has anybody ever, ever had a, a, a broken limb or, or a sprained limb? What do you do? You favor the opposite one, right? And then after a couple weeks or a couple days, that starts to hurt. Does it not? Because it's, it's getting overused. Same exact way the body of Christ works. It's the same way. When there's, when there's an ailment over here, it'll eventually affect something else. So identifying it, doing something about it. I really want to make somebody else read this. Get your Bibles out and read this for me, but I won't. <laughs> you know, it's Bible study, Wednesday night Bible study. Just as we know that the enemy can and will and is going to attack and divide and conquer as much as he can, as much as you allow him. There's, there's things that God has given us. When you, when you recognize and when you make up in your mind, this is I'm going to do something about it, you go to scriptures like this. Super common scripture. Everybody here could probably actually quote it with me if I wasn't reading out of the New King James because the wording is just a little bit different. But Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, wiles, the attacks of the devil. Lost my place. Looking up at you guys. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of the ages, against spiritual hosts and wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore also take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day talked about that earlier and having done all to stand stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all take the shield of faith that which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one because when he shoots sometimes he don't just sneak in sometimes he shoots from afar that'll preach and that's a different, a different message Take the helmet of salvation and the word, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You have a way out. And I had this scripture, and it doesn't, it's not fitting because it's taking it out of context, and I will be the first to tell you that. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, when it talks about temptation and God giving you a way out, people misquote that scripture all the time and say that God will not give you more than you can handle. That's not what that scripture is saying. The scripture is not saying anything about God not giving you more than you can handle. The scripture is saying in temptation, when it comes to temptation, God will not, give you, God will not allow you to be tempted without giving you a way out. And so, because it's not really fitting for this uh, lesson, I'll make it fitting for this lesson. If you're tempted to fight with your wife, the way out is shut up. 
If you're tempted to backbite your neighbor, the way out is shut up. If you're tempted to do something you shouldn't do, obviously the way out is not to do it. God will give you the way out. Get in the Word, get in prayer, fast, do what you're supposed to do, and you'll find that things and life is so much easier. Amen? Do I have any witnesses? I know it's easier for me. And then last but not least, and I won't, this is just a funny, another funny, because I had a little note here that I started to put in somewhere else, and I just thought I shouldn't. But I'll tell you what it is, because it's kind of comical. She mentioned submitting, and I went into submitting, and I put in here, husbands, if you ain't doing right, you can't expect them to. This is a good place for a cunning attack. And that's all I had about that, because I decided not to finish that. But husbands, this goes for both husbands and wives, but husbands, if you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing, don't expect them to. You can't demand them to. This is what it is. It says likewise. Does it not? It says likewise. So, do what you're supposed to do. Can we pray? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to be here, God. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your lesson. I pray, God, that you'd go with each and every one of us, God. I pray, God, that we'd be wise to the enemy's attacks. God, I pray, God, that we'd be wise to the things that he's trying to do, the things that he wants to do, that we'd see him coming, God, that we'd pray and fast, we'd spend time with you, God, that we'd make you the head of our homes, God, that we'd make you, God, the head of our lives, God, that we would come to you with everything that we need to. I pray, God, that you'd be the Lord in our lives, God, and that you would lead us and guide us and help us, God. Your word says that your word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, God. Help us to get in your word, God, and to understand, to study, God, and to see, God, the things that you want for us. In Jesus' name, amen.